You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I just had a guy from Cork and Carry in Beverly on Southside Pod. That's another podcast here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. Check it out. Last episode, really good. All of them good. They're available anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SouthsidePod.com. This is Socks in the Basement, brought to you by Cork and Carry. The official home of the podcast for fans by fans is down there at 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, Cork and Carry. At the Park, award-winning menu of burgers, two-for-one on Mondays when you dine in, non-socks home games, rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines, and uh, they have party rooms in the Beverly location, and they will also rent out the entirety of Cork and Carry at the Park if you want to have a party. This is the time to do it because it's the off-season. If you want to see more, check it out at CorkandCarry.com. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good after all of that. I, I just kind of want to go get a burger and a beer at Cork and Carry and uh, <laughs> listen to Southside Pod. So I'm, I'm fired up for that. I wanted to tell you a story about something that happened with me, if you'll indulge me for a second. I will indulge you. Does it involve a, a, an adult fist fight? No, no, no. This involves, oh, okay. this involves the stupid fights that occur on Twitter. Oh, those kind of fights. Yeah, even better. And, and real adult fist fights where fists aren't used, but words are thrown back and forth like little tiny baby slaps. Right. And then I just laugh at them because it, it yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. Social media. It to tickles. Me, social media to me. I'm just like, like, if you make a good point on social media, I will interact with you. If you say something ridiculous, I will mock you. And if it's like something completely out of pocket, I'll just ignore you. That, that's basically how I handle things. So the Socks in the Basement account on Twitter put out just a reminder like, hey, in recent episodes, we've had Scott Merkin on and we've had James Fegan on and we talked about why Reynaldo Lopez probably should get first crack at the closer position. Check it all out at SocksInTheBasement.com. And I got one comment on it. I mean, it was a promo thing. It wasn't me interacting. It was a promo thing. Right. And it's not you sitting there saying, here's a controversial opinion. No. You're just saying, listen to our potentially controversial opinion on on this particular episode. By the time it was over, I was convinced I was talking to like a bot. I don't even understand what a bot is. My 14-year-old, when he makes fun of people while he's playing video games with his headset on, calls people bots. So I know it's it's some sort of an insult. Okay, but I also like <laughs> so so you're you're just aping what your cool kid's son is doing now. Right, right. I mean, You've okay, reached boomer. that level. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm just looking for what the lingo the kids use. Right, but oh brother, but I I imagine that it could have been a computer program that if I would have written something about one political party, it would have immediately shot off a tweet that just took the other side, no matter what I said. So I said right. something about a player on the White Sox, and it shot off like gibberish. So the gibberish that was shot off, and I. I I'm going to read it for you. So the response to this tweet, which include Reynaldo Lopez as a viable option, who I think should be the guy who gets first crack at the closer spot with Liam Hendricks out, was he'll walk six to seven and have an ERA over five and a half. He sucks. Now, no, that's not even in the realm of what he is. True. That's not true. No, no, it's not. I, I, I mean, he could. Let's put it the, based on right, last year's stats. <laughs> based on last year's stats, that's not who he is as a pitcher. No. So, but but yes, in theory, 
he could decide to go out and pitch left-handed or blindfolded or, you know, with, <laughs> you know, like his underwear too tight or something where he can't stride properly. I mean, yes, if he, if he staples one leg to the other and tries to pitch, yes, he could walk six or seven guys and would have an ERA that would be astronomical. But if he pitches like he knows how to pitch, no, statistically speaking, we've been over this. Statistically speaking, he was very, very effective last year in what he was doing. And that's why, based on who's available, what they did in 2022, Reynaldo Lopez makes a lot of sense. But yes, in theory, he could sabotage his own career by going out and sucking. Right. I mean, he could do that. But if we look at what he did last year, and by the way, when I pointed out that you look at his stats last year, I was told, well, now they have film on him. He's been in the league for years. What film? That, what What is it doing that teams have on Reynaldo Lopez and he's going to be ineffective this year? Again, this is what, fifth or sixth year in the league? <laughs> I was convinced it was a bot immediately. So if anybody out there actually believes that it's insane to mention Reynaldo Lopez in the closer position in the same breath, I just want to point out the man had the lowest fielding independent pitching of any pitcher, starter, or reliever on the entire team last year, including your closer. In fact, your closer had a 2.680, hit a 1.93. His whip was the lowest walks and hits per innings pitched of any pitcher on your entire team. Even if somebody came up and got the pitch for an inning, they still put on more per average than what Reynaldo Lopez did in his 61 appearances last year at a 0.949. Your closer was higher at a 1.040. I mean, it's pretty close, but it's just to illustrate a point here. His ERA was a 2.76. His his ERA plus, if you, for you sabermetricians, was a 145. Aaron Bummer, his ERA plus was 170, and Dylan Cease was 180. Reynaldo Lopez was third on that list. It is not inconceivable that Reynaldo Lopez get the first opportunity to be the closer on the team. A highly motivated pitcher coming off the best year that he's been in the bullpen with a similar amount of innings, very close, and a similar amount of of, of, of batters faced and similar stats, but slightly better than the closer that you're losing right now, likely for the entire season. And, and look, if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out, but I, I'm going to go with the kid that's hungry. I'm going to go with the kid that showed that he could do something coming out of the pen last year. Not perfect, but nobody is. Coming out of the pen last year, show what he could do, and and then has the motivation going into free agency next year that if he's a closer and he looks good, he's gonna get paid. All well, right, that, that's right there. That's the other part he's of the hunger, get isn't it? Paid. You're gonna be sitting around bemoaning the fact you can't afford him next year, or the White Sox will say, "Guess what, Liam? We're gonna pay you a little bit out over the next multiple years, like that contract allows, and he's the new closer." Right? That'll be. You want him to force you into that decision as he enters free agency next year, right? Like, it ain't going to be Kendall Graveman. Everybody keeps going, oh, Kendall Graveman. He closed before. Take a look at his splits in his best season that he ever had. The one that gave him a name where he was acquired midway through the year by the Houston Astros, and then the White Sox went out the next offseason and brought him over here. He was making all of his bones in Seattle's home ballpark. Even on the road when he was playing for Seattle, wasn't that good. And then that's why when he got to Houston, you see his numbers start to inflate. And I watched him already try to do it last year when he was doing it in place of Liam Hendricks. I already know what he is. I want the guy that has the potential, and I can't find any negatives coming off of last year. And if you're going to sit there and say, well, you know, what about in years past? So you don't believe that these guys get better? 
you're going to sit around and tell me all these guys are going to have career years this year, and that's why we're going to win. All these players are going to advance. Luis Roberts finally going to be what he is, but there's no way Reynaldo Lopez can continue what he did last year. There's no way he figured it out. He's already peaked. It's crazy to me. And so, like, it, 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 like explain it to me, Ed. Where does that come from? Is it because somebody went to a game and had one bad experience with that pitcher, and they're like, that's it, that's what he is? Yeah, well, I, I think some of it is casual fandom, right? And And, and not understanding how the stats work, you know, so in the case of Ronaldo Lopez, if you remember him as sort of a failed starter from a couple of years ago where he wasn't able to live up to the hype that, you know, that came with being part of the Adam Eaton trade and coming over with Lucas Giolito and this idea that he was going to be in the middle of the rotation for you, the idea that he is now a closer shouldn't be that foreign to you. But I think there are some people who they, they they give the eyeball test. So yeah, they they went and they saw him. He walked a guy, he gave up a dinger, or he walked a guy, gave up a hard double, and was taken out of the game. And he had his bad game, whatever. All the, all pitchers do that. And any anybody who's ever pitched more than one time in a little league game, anybody who's ever pitched for an extended amount of time will tell you that sometimes you just don't got it. You, nothing's working for you. You get you're serving up meatballs. It looks like you're throwing beach balls up there. So yeah, you see that, and if that's your only memory of them because you don't follow the team hard, and I'm not ripping on fans who don't do this, but if you take a second to look them up and you take a second to see, okay, what did the stats look like from last year? Even if you're going with the regular old-fashioned back-of-the-baseball card stats, his ERA was really low. He was doing, He did a really great job as a reliever last year. If you're going to get into the extended stuff, into the analytics, right? And the Sox, by the way, are doing that. But if you're getting into the analytics more, it's backed up, right? His his season last year is backed up statistically by what he did, both in the results on the back of the baseball card, but the underlying stats that you just listed shows that he was somewhere between the first and third most effective pitcher on the team. And that includes a guy who was a Cy Young runner-up in Dylan Cease. I don't get it in an era where you can look up a stat online with the computer you carry around in your pocket that most people have that that somebody's allegedly tweeting at you with anyway right if you have a flip phone still and you're tweeting on your desktop just you know put something in the search bar right now though lopez stats you're going to get a million different ways it's going to pop up you click on it you look and then before you make the argument like learn something about the guy you know i admit to people all the time when i'm when i don't understand a stat like, I still don't get ISO. Like, I'm like, oh, whatever. I mean, people tell me that you got to have this number in it. I've read about it a couple times. You know, I, I at least understand that OPS is really important. I understand with pitchers that FIP is important, fielding independent pitching. But I also look at FIP and I sit there and I say something like, well, you know, yeah, you're taking out the defense. But if you have a guy that induces ground balls and relies on the defense, then FIP may not tell the whole story. That's why I always lean towards walks and hits per innings pitch because you're just not putting people on base, right? That that's right. That's why I always fall back on that. People love FIP. I like WHIP. We can have a conversation. Great. If you're still sitting around telling me ERA is everything, I gotta introduce you to some other stuff. Well, it's like people who are still worried about wins as a starting pitcher. Right. A win uh, as a starting pitcher is maybe one of the silliest stats there is. They don't even know. Major League Baseball half of it is like arbitrary based upon the scorekeeper that day. You can actually have like discretion in a win still. So it's not to me. Some people still go by the stat. Like my dad did it. He gave me a baseball card when I wanted to learn about ball players, And he was like, uh, look at their average. Look at how many home runs they got. 
Look at uh, this guy walks a lot. That's I think that's pretty good, you know. And then with with pitchers, be like, look at his ERA. How many wins did he get? But that was in the '80s. I'm not one of these people that thinks that there's no such thing as emotion in the game. I'm not somebody who thinks that like like you know you can you can turn any player into a good player with with if you find the right stat. But I just named off like five of them for Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, we could just go through everything he did across the board. He was incredibly effective, and and that's why I sit there. It boggles my mind sometimes when I have conversations with people and they're like, I'm a huge fan of the team. And they either mention a guy who's no longer on the team. That's their favorite player. Cause they're, they haven't caught up or that guy last night telling me right now, the Lopez will have a five and a half ERA socks in the basement. Listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit red wing shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line today, our guest is the Sox Nerd, Dave Marin. You've heard him on the show before. He goes by at Sox Nerd on your Facebook and on your Twitter. I don't even know if he has an Instagram account or any of these other things. you have a TikTok, Dave? No. Uh, <laughs> no. You're not doing any dancing? You're not getting out there? No, like... no. T- well, I do dancing, but it's not out on TikTok yet. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I am on Facebook and I am on Instagram. I'm not as... Uh, diligent to my Instagram account as I should be. And my, uh, Facebook is, uh, socks nerd, socks nerd. And that, that's pretty, that's pretty good. But where you find me mostly in the off season is on Twitter, as you pointed out. And as I like to tell people, there is no off season for the socks nerd. I'm, I am tweeting every day. I'm blogging every day. And it's just something that keeps me, uh, fresh, uh, engaged, uh, during the off season. And also it's, a part of my preparation for 2023. You would come in useful in the conversation we had to kick off the show where somebody was throwing out statistics that made absolutely no sense. Like, do you put out something good about a player and somebody just gets angry and starts spewing nonsense in the replies? Do you ever have that that moment where you're like, I shouldn't get angry about this. I'm just going to turn off Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I think as I've, I've told you many times on the these uh, these shows we've done before my late mother always used to tell me to dig for the pony uh that famous story look that one up and i'm always just trying to be optimistic and positive and uh so i don't really engage in the negativity but if somebody says something that i think is outrageous yes i will try to respond in kind you know i probably shouldn't even say this but there's a there's an exchange i got into with a cub fan on twitter it probably could unravel it somewhere which was pretty intense but uh, i <laughs> think I I think since then I've been I've tried to behave myself. Good for you. Dave works uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field as well. You are the guy putting up uh, trivia 
Uh, interesting stats when the players are coming up to the plate. You're throwing that up on the scoreboard, and you got a you got a new scoreboard within the last couple years here. How many people does it take to make that thing function during a game? Okay, so uh, we probably have a crew of about uh, thirty, I would say at least. Wow, uh, running running that uh, both in the scoreboard control room, which you've had the privilege of visiting. And I had to give you the bat sleep and, you know, it was all big top secret thing, but um, <laughs> no, we're on the broadcast level and it's a big control room. It's, it's very similar to how, you know, a TV uh, uh, control room looks. And uh, we have probably about 30 people. There are people in the control room. There's, you know, Gene Honda, the PA announcer is connected to us. Uh, we have game operations people on headsets. And then we have people in the control room producing and directing. We have our own cameramen out on the, uh, you know, first and third high home. And then we have, you know, mobile cameramen, uh, wireless cameramen walking around taking shots of fan and in-game features. So it is a very, very involved process. I'm, 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 I'm part of it. I'm honored to be a part of it. It's a great crew. And one thing that I always tell people is that this crew, this operation is so dedicated to the White Sox and the fan experience. I think people would really be proud of that and impressed by that just at how hard everyone works just to put on the best uh, product that they can. Such a complicated thing. You kind of understand why every once in a while in a game, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings by bringing this up, like it just goes black for a moment or like oh, something yeah. freezes. Was it, How hard was it to get used to the new scoreboard? Because that's a newer system over the last couple of years. It is a newer system. Yeah. And we had our bugs and, and everything, but you know, it's just like baseball. The great thing about that is that, you know, we're at it every day and we're getting better every day. And they say like the only way you can get better at hitting is to hit. And the only way you can get better to, you know, to pitch is to pitch and pitching is to pitch. And it was the same thing for us. The more we got into it, the more we got used to it, um, the more comfortable we came with the equipment and, and the, the better and smoother the production come. But, you know, there's always, as you know, there's always glitches and technical things that happen that can lead to a black screen or what have you. What do you think is the coolest thing about the newer scoreboard over the last few years? Now that you've seen it, what they can do, I would imagine that scoreboard's also linked up to the home run celebration when all the lights go nuts. So yeah. that's probably all part of the same production. But like, what what does it do that you guys get a kick out of? Because I know that whenever I got new technology in any job that I ever worked at, like everybody in the room just wanted to try out that new thing and, and they like gravitated to it. The most striking thing that I found with the new board was how vivid and crisp the picture is, especially when I look at pictures of the old board and it's basically like getting, you know, eight, we, you know, we went to HD, I think. And once we went to HD and we saw how that picture looks on the, you know, during, even during the day and at night, the picture's good. That was the thing that I, I took from it. But I will say the cool, I think the coolest thing we ever did was when, was the lights out before the, uh, the playoff game against Houston. And I think that's something that's just kind of, you know, we've evolved into in terms of production, uh, doing things of that nature. And I don't know if that's directly connected to the new board. I think it is because it, it makes the production look a, a little bit more vivid and sharp and things like that. But overall, if you had to pin me down and say the one thing that I thought is just like the, act, the, the appearance of the scoreboard, you know, just how it, how it looks. The new scoreboard, my job has become easier. I'm able to put more stuff up just because of the advances in technology. So from that point, that's probably what I would say. So when you got a big giant TV and you're showing pictures of the crowd and you're throwing up social media, 
you're going to have people that are going to try to get something on the screen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, yeah. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause even I have tried to pull that off. Like I tried to get a socks in the basement logo up there by like playing games. And I was able to pull it off one time. They completely missed it. And I was sitting there like in an Instagram thing where I used a hashtag and the thing popped up, but it, it's difficult, right? Because I'm sure that there's get this on. Don't put this on the screen. Make sure that nobody like makes a lewd gesture. What kind of things do you notice that during the game, people are trying to find a way when you're doing the interactive thing of trying to get something up on the board that probably shouldn't be. I'm, I'm sure that's a concern. You know, the one thing that we're, that we're really leery of, and it, we found it to be true in other parts, is visiting, um, visiting apparel. You know, like, if, like when the Cubs are in, we won't show a lot of Cubs stuff. We'll try to avoid the Cubs stuff. We will try to avoid putting up a lot of Cubs or Cleveland stuff or what have you. Good. Keep them off my... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, it's funny. And uh, my wife and I, we go to a lot of different games. And w- when we went to the Marquette DePaul game and, at Wintrust Arena, we're Marquette fans. And the place was dominated by Marquette people. And we were really upset. As fans, we were really upset that DePaul wasn't putting a lot of Marquette people on the board. But if you look at it from their point of view, of course, DePaul's not going to put Marquette people on the board. Why would they? Just like Cub fans, hopefully, shouldn't expect to see themselves up on the board at guaranteed rate field. So you throw up trivia. Have you ever put something up on the board where somebody's like, I wish you wouldn't have pointed that stat out? Uh, not really, but I am very uh, aware. I'm very tuned into what I put up in terms of uh, how it reflects upon the team as I, you know, I'm an employee of the team. So everything is very positive. Um, and a little, I'll give you a little, little, little inside scoop here. Uh, one of the things that I do is the, <clears throat> we call them the almanacs. During action, there'll be this date in White Sox history, and I research those, and I hand them over to my boss who finds pictures, and then they, they put a little feature up with those. Those are only Sox wins, Chris. That's it. There will like When you're at a game on May 15th and you see the almanac up there from 1964, there'll be a series of eight of them. 99% of the time, 99.99% of the time, they're all victories. I think the only loss I've ever seen up on that board, and I'm sure somebody could pick out another one, is whenever it's the anniversary of the opening of the ballpark because they lost in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. I think, uh, and I think we avoid. I think I avoid putting up the score in that one. Um, but yeah, there are very few losses up there. Um, maybe the Mike Cameron four home run game we've had up there, but nothing because that was you know such an incredible feat. But yeah, most of the time, those almanacs, those this date in Sox histories are all, are all positive, are all winners. Do me a favor. Start of the year. My bold prediction is Reynaldo Lopez is going to get an opportunity to be the closer. Okay. I really think he could be at some point. If he ever gets into a closer role, please put his stats from last year up against Liam Hendricks to calm down all the people that think that he can't do it because they are almost a mirror image of each other. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was uh, just reviewing some information before we went on, and I was looking. I was looking at my blog that I did on his season in review, and um, in the ninth inning, Lopez was really good. I mean, he was. I mean, he didn't get. A, he got. I think ten. He got ten appearances in the ninth inning, and his his opponent's slash line was one seventy one, one sixty seven, and two twenty nine. So that that's pretty good, and uh, I, I think. I agree with you, Chris. I think there's something there. I really do. All right. Follow Sox Nerd 
at SoxNerd on the Twitter, the other social media as well. Dave's got a great blog, really good information. He did a breakdown of every player that was on the roster last year, and it was really interesting because it gets very in-depth. If you're a stat head, you must follow Dave Marin, the Sox Nerd. Dave, thanks so much for jumping on Sox in the Basement. No problem, Chris. Thanks much. Dave Marin and every guest on Sox in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore, and check out this Monday a free one-hour course introductory on brewing. All brought to you by the College of DuPage Continuing Education at Pollyanna Brewing in Lamont. Check out all they have to offer at lamontdowntown.com. So Sam Mondry Cohen was the uh, manager of baseball analytics for the Washington Nationals, okay? And he has been hired now by the White Sox. And Pedro Grafal has said that he wants to, you know, focus more on their preparation on analytics and and use this information that we're using to, to, for example, make a case for Ronaldo Lopez as a closer to try and one, build the team and two, you know, make decisions on how to best utilize players. And the White Sox have been sort of notorious for kind of not being that team, right? Uh, you know, you, you had Kenny Williams for years was looking for athletes. You know, we talked about that. I think in our last show, we talked about Kenny Williams pension for athletes and trying to then turn them into baseball players. And, and you know, in some ways, the Sox go for uh, guys that are already sort of ready-made in, in, in a Garrett Crochet, for example, where you know his arm will play in the major leagues already if you use him correctly. And you don't necessarily need to worry about some of the underlying stats, some of the analytics with him. But the White Sox are trying to slowly sort of turn themselves into an actual modern franchise, which is a good thing. And I think it, it you know, it, if it's being pushed by the manager, that's great. If it's being pushed by Rick Hahn, who's finally getting his way in that regard, okay, that's that's good too. Although he's been around for so long that I, I have a feeling this is Pedro. I have a feeling that this is a manager sitting there going, I need I need access to these stats because this is how I, I'm going to do this. And this is how the Royals did it. And this is how I know how to do things and not having anybody around to do it. And you mentioned that you had, you had even seen something on the, on the flip side of things, right? Oh yeah. You saw something, a, a job posting that, that shows that they are trying to like quietly build some, some new teams within the team to try and solve some of the issues that have been plaguing them for, for a while. Well, yeah. I mean, I came across it on LinkedIn. So Jeff head is a hire that happened this off season. And he went and reposted uh, one of the managers below him. So let me let me make sure I've got all their their titles correctly because these are all new people to the White Sox. Jeff Head is the senior director of sports performance, but the guy who's the applied sports science manager below him put up an intern posting for the Chicago White Sox, and then Jeff sent it back out as well. And it kind of describes what this department is doing. Uh, the applied sports science intern would be, and I'm just going to read one of the duties, the first thing that's up there, is that the that department collaborates with sports science, athletic training, physical therapy, strength and conditioning, and player development staff. And then they come up with exactly what they're going to do with each player on the team to improve their performance. I think this team realized that they had a lot of problems in a lot of areas 
But the in deep down, in the end, the word is preparedness, right? They weren't prepared with the right analytics. They weren't prepared for the matchup at hand. They weren't prepared with their strength and conditioning. They weren't prepared with how they were training. This is the attack that they're trying to do. I don't know if it's going to work, but if they weren't doing anything in this area, I'd be far more worried about the team. When you sit there and you tell me you're doing all of these things, you're bringing in all these new faces, you're bringing in these new techniques, you have a new direction in how you're going to do things. There's part of me, the fan in me, right? I'm going to take out the one that's always like negative because there's always that guy, right? That guy who just wakes up every morning and goes, oh, Reinsdorf, oh, Williams. I'm just like aggravated, right? The, the, the other fan in me, the positive guy, right? He looks at this and says, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this is the path to taking it to another level. But th- that, you know, that actually holds in with what I saw on MLB tonight, okay? Where Dan O'Dowd, Sean Casey... Roberto Flores are, are are talking about how far the White Sox can go this year. And the consensus was health of their players, their star players in particular, and improvement by guys who are underperforming like Yohan Moncada. Those were Dan O'Dowd singled out Yohan Moncada and Sean Casey singled out health of their major stars. And if you think about it, improving performance is analytics mixed with sports performance and the science behind that health is, you know, that, that sports performance department and making sure that the training is right and that their healthcare is right and, and their conditioning, conditioning is right and strength. And the idea that you're not just going to like hurt yourself constantly and the, and the, and the injured list is not going to be filled with white Sox players all year long. Yeah. But this is not Mickey from Rocky sitting there going, when I get through with you, Yoan. You're going to oh, no. crap thunder. I think I think you could have analytics and still put a chicken in the middle of the field uh, on off days and have them chase it around. I, I would do I, I'm both. Not saying, I'm not saying there's not a point for that, <laughs> but it's more than that, right? It is it is a little mixture of, of what they're doing with Ivan Drago, a little mixture of what they're doing with Apollo Creed, and then it's chasing a chicken and crapping thunder. Right! And that's what it feels like, right? Like some of this stuff is like, remember, we're going to compare the White Sox this offseason to to Rocky movies. And it makes perfect yeah. sense, right? And let's hope it's not Rocky Five. Right. You got you got the non-traditional training. You've got the traditional training. And then you've got the thing where the Russians are just sitting there with machines measuring his punching ratio. Right? I mean, like, and that's, that's I guess, where they should be. We're, we finally caught up the Rocky Four. That's what <laughs> the White finally Sox. caught up the Rocky Four. The White Sox have caught up the Rocky Four. If there's a robot on the club level, we know we know we've made it. Maybe that robot can find me a pretzel brat. Don't count on it. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.